The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to a, a bit of a different type of episode today. Um, of course, now in America in 2020, it's been a crazy year in general, but one of the things that has really had an impact on us is the social justice movements and the social unrest. And so most recently, the NBA did a protest. And my friend, Chuck Scott, who's our guest today, um, he was very passionate about <laughs> the protest, more so from a business and analytical perspective. So Chuck and I, we think the same way as it relates to business and strategy and conflict resolution and negotiation. And so he has a really interesting breakdown on what they did well and what they did poorly and what they could do different next time. And so we want to use this as a kind of perspective persuasive case study uh, for for the protest to see w what went well, what didn't go well. So with that, I want to welcome Chuck to the show. Chuck, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you. This will be a fun episode. Uh, but before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So uh, last uh, couple of years, I've been running my own company. Uh, we do consulting work. Uh, we do project management, main, mainly PMO space, uh, staff augmentation, as well as consultation, project leadership. So, uh, you know, multi-million dollar uh, projects being delivered. And uh, the other leg of our business is solutions delivery. Uh, so those are the kind of pillars of our business. Nice. Perfect. So let's go ahead and jump into the the protest and what you thought about that so just for people who might have missed it tell us about the protest in general what was yeah. it what happened yeah so specifically you know you and i have had some recent discussion around the nba protest and following athletes across the world uh kind of you know all joined hands and protested social injustice in america and a great cause i, I a cause i'm very passionate about myself um as most people are in the country right now. Um, one of the things that I really want to reiterate is I think it's awesome that the uh, NBA players and the athletes across different uh, different forums really flex their muscles as far as their power because they are, you know, they're a group of millionaires, most of them, and uh, they do have a certain power. They have platforms and you know, truth be told, they are the best, the top, you know, 900 people in the world at what they do. So there's a level of power there will, where they will always have a job. And truth be told, they have the ability to be entrepreneurs themselves if they wanted to separate from the NBA and put the best product out there if they wanted to do the management of running their own leagues, right? So there's there's leverage there that they have that they've really never flexed, in my opinion, prior to uh, just recently here, right, with the protest. Um, 
I thought it was great that they did that. But at the same time, you know, I, I found myself questioning how effective it was. And so, you know, that's really what I wanted to talk about today uh, on the podcast and really share these thoughts. Perfect. So let's get into it. Yep. So let's do a breakdown, a strategic breakdown. Where, where should we start? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, my company, Scott Q Consulting, does a lot of uh a lot of work in the PMO space. For those that don't know, PMO stands for Project Management Office. So these are legs of a business, normally under a, a CFO, a financial leg that basically audits projects. So if a company says, hey, we want to do a strategic initiative, it's going to cost us a million bucks. We think it'll earn us five million every year for the life of you know that initiative. Those are the types of things that we manage and help run. Um, so you know, thinking of this strategically, the NBA players are saying, hey, we want to leverage our platform. We want to go into this negotiation uh, with not just our league, but also like with the league's backing and support, tackle a social issue, right? That's going on in America because our league operates mainly in the United States of America. Um, and so what, what took place was a boycott, right? So we had um, a planned slash unplanned, it's kind of last second planned uh, event where the players did not play their playoff games, right? And uh, that spread amongst multiple teams. And then it spread to other sports where athletes took about a 48 hour hiatus on different sporting events. Uh, and the world stopped. Everyone paid attention because right now, right, COVID's going on. Uh, people are working from home. The, the world was hungry for professional sports. Basically anything that wasn't related to politics or COVID, right? The pandemic. And so here with sports, we're finally back. You, you've got all these different sports uh, teams and leagues in bubbles or not bubbles, but trying to execute a league, a league again and play again so that we can all talk about just anything other than those two hot topics, right? And then here we go with the NBA. It's got their uh, their boycott. The players are, or not, I'm sorry, boycott's the wrong word. Protest. The, the NBA players protest after the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, and so, you know, video was released. People are... Uh, picking sides because that's what we do in America. We pick sides. And, uh, you know, the, the players uh, took the stance of this is injustice and uh, we really can't see another event like this. We really need to take action. So um, those are the events that unfolded. Um, what I saw was a total breakdown, though, from a negotiation standpoint. And so kind of going back to project management, a lot of times uh, me, I'm sitting at a, at a desk or a table, a conference room table, or a conference call in today's world. And um, everyone at the table has an agenda of some sort, right? You've got different legs of a business. Uh, you got finance, you got logistics, you got accounting, you got, uh, you know, if it's a retailer, let's say you've got merchandise planners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got all these different legs of business and you're trying to solve problems. Every day we're trying to solve some type of problem. And normally people push back when they feel like, work's coming their way that shouldn't be there, or they just are pushing back because they don't have bandwidth to take on new work, or uh, they don't have resourcing for whatever reason. It might be financial, it might be people. They just aren't able to do work. So there's always a negotiation happening at the table. So, um, you know, although I'm not as uh, deep into the world of negotiations as you are, Kwame, uh, I am a negotiator day to day. And my job is I play a middleman role where I own nothing. I serve its project team, right? Uh, as a project manager, that really is what I do. So my job is to keep everyone top of mind that at the end of the day, they need to solve the problem of we have to deliver this project work, right? Um, and so it's coming to common ground. And that's, at the end of the day, that's really what, what I do is helping people remember what the common goal is 
and helping them understand which pieces make sense for them to own versus what which pieces don't. Um, and some of that goes into like operational mindset. And, you know, that's that's another podcast for another day, right? Another conversation. Um, so going back to and linking this to the negotiation for the NBA players, the first thing I really found myself kind of cringing at was every interview that I heard uh, where they said, hey, what are you guys, you know, the media is interviewing them. What are you guys protesting? And every answer was, uh, you know, they kind of look off in the sky, uh, you know, social injustice. We're, we really just feel like social injustice needs reform. And although that statement in and of itself is true, the goal is too big. Okay, so one of the things in project management is you can't have the goal of, hey, we want to deliver the project, right? Like that's too big and too vague for a year plus long initiative. You have to break it down into actionable tactics and things uh, that people can chip away at, basically, because people can't wrap their head around. I want to accomplish reform on social injustice, right? Um, But what they can wrap their head around is something very, very small and very tangible. and what I really saw was a missed opportunity was, um, you know, maybe not the Jacob Blake case that's just happened. It's very fresh. People are still choosing sides. There's a lot of unknown uh, unknowns around this scenario, right? Um, one of the things, one of the strategies that I try to employ is to not bring things to the table that could be argued. I always try to bring things to the table that really everyone shares a good, good solid point of view. What do I mean by that? So bringing it back to our NBA players, What's something that everyone can agree with on in the social social injustice category, right? And it's certainly not the Jacob Blake case, right? People are definitely, you know, uh, toting the lines of, hey, what's a police officer supposed to do when a uh, person that's being detained or just questioned starts walking towards their car, right? There's all sorts of bad things that can happen there. People are also taking the sides of, yeah, but we also see tons of examples where police detain people without the use of deadly force, right? Um, But something in the social justice category that we can all agree on is recently there was the Breonna Taylor case. And I don't think anyone disagrees that the Breonna Taylor case, unfortunately, was a miss by our judicial, or I'm sorry, our our, uh, police system, right? And uh, unfortunately, she passed away due to a police bullet. And there have been no arrests made in this case. And it's been enough time for that process to have executed within the structure that exists. And and quick thing with the Breonna Taylor case, can you yep. give the details? Because you mentioned earlier that that's one that pretty much everybody can get on board with. Yeah. Why do you say that's one that we can all get on board with? Yeah, it's one of those clear cut misses where unfortunately the police, you know, they had a warrant, but they went to the wrong house, right? And shots were fired because people come breaking into your house and you've done no wrong. So, and, and you have a firearm, you might shoot back, right? Uh, shots were fired and uh, Breonna Taylor uh, was killed in the process. Um, unfortunately, due diligence has not happened from a, from a legality of it, right? So there's been no arrest made. Um, I believe the police officers are on administrative leave right now, but the fact that there's been no arrest made and the, the you know, going back to our NBA players, they, they've taken note of this and have, uh, leverage their platform to state that like today is a great day for an arrest to be made in the Breonna Taylor case. Does your company invest in professional development training? 
If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Um, the other side of it that I love about the Brianna Taylor case is, again, going back to it's not able to be argued, is due process would be there has to be someone... If, if we know who the shooters are and we know that they were there wrongly, that they did not have just cause within the existing structure of our legal system, there's really nothing to discuss, right? There's a due process and they should at least be detained in question, right? And that has not happened. Uh, they probably should be arrested. That has not happened. They should be waiting for a court date right now. That also has not happened. Even if they're waiting at home because they post a bill, there's a process for all of this that just is simply being skipped. Um, and I think that's a that's a cause that everyone can get behind because at the end of the day, Americans do care about order and justice. And either side of the fence wants to see that happen. We're not. I don't think anyone's saying I want to see an outcome of and they're convicted, right? Maybe they do, but at the same time, they're saying we want to see due process happen. Um, so to me, that should have been the first uh, negotiating chip for the NBA players is establishing something very tangible. I would like to see an arrest made. And until then, like then tying it to an action, until then we will not return to the uh, proverbial arena, court, field, ice, whatever it may be by sport, right? Um, so that was the first thing is just establishing what, what are we after here, right? What's the tangible good that will change our protest that will turn us from, um, get us away from disruption because what they were after was disruption, which they accomplished their goal, and then into actionable goods, right? 
Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And when, when I think about strategy, mm-hmm. uh, strategy starts with a goal. You have to have a clearly defined goal, yep. right? And so you start there and then you determine where you currently are and where you need to be in order mm-hmm. to accomplish that goal. So that's the strategy. And then you backtrack from there and figure out which tactics you should use to implement um, in order to be successful in your strategy. And it seems based on your perspective of this analysis here, the first mistake they made was that they didn't have a very clear goal. And if you don't have a clear goal, really it doesn't matter what strategies or tactics you take at that point. Yeah, unfortunately, without a clear-cut goal, you're just, you're lost. You're wavering in the wind. And so, you know, after two days of kind of holding out uh, from playing games and other athletes across different sports coming in line with them as well, with the same vague goal, after 48 hours, everyone went back to work. And it wasn't like anything changed, right? So this brings me to my second piece, which is in any negotiation, I don't know that you can really make an argument without having credibility, right? Um And unfortunately, you see this all day long in the comment section on social media, right? Um, Nobody in the comment section has established credibility with each other. They don't know each other. Um, So why would they listen to each other? And so what the NBA players did, unfortunately, was by having a, a protest with no goals, they almost instantaneously lost credibility. And then by going right back to status quo, which is they, they dribble and play, right? They again lost credibility because then everyone's looking and saying, well, what was the point of your protest? Because it didn't seem to accomplish anything and here you are back at work. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think some people might say that the goal was to raise awareness. Um, we, there's been a lot of awareness raising uh, recently and the question is that what what has really come from that, right? Mm-hmm. And so if that is the goal, then the challenge is, hey, maybe we should get a, a more ambitious goal other than just raising awareness. And so two terms you mentioned, you mentioned leverage, you mentioned credibility. Credibility mm-hmm. is key to persuasion. If you have a good reputation, if people know that you are serious about what it is that you're doing, you're going to be more effective in your negotiations just because of who you are and what you've done in the past. Correct. So credibility is going to be important when it comes to any type of negotiation. And we're seeing it here when it comes to this one, because the concern is if we project this into the future, let's say something else happens that that causes um, the, the NBA players to, to get concerned as it relates to what's happening in the world, and then they do another protest people roll their eyes and say, oh, here we go again. Uh, They'll just be back. (laughs) No problem, right? So that's the issue with credibility. And then when we think about leverage, what does leverage get us in a negotiation? When it comes to leverage, it is a tool that you can use in order to get concessions. You Mm -hmm. use leverage in order to get concessions. Some of the concessions are big. Some of the concessions are small. But the person who has the leverage is able to get more in a negotiation. And so when we think about the leverage here that the NBA players had, they can't bring in replacement NBA players. <laughs> That's not an option. Yeah. And um, so they, ha- they are the only source. They are the only option in this situation, in this moment. So they had all of the leverage as it related to this negotiation. And then did they use that leverage in order to get a concession? No, they didn't. There was no concession. 
There was no advancement that came as a result of the, of the protest. And then what happened? They went back to work and now they have no leverage. So their leverage is down to nothing and their credibility went down in the process. But I think everybody knows that they have leverage if they want to, to wield it correctly, but we don't know if that's going to be possible in the future or if they're going to be willing to do it in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with your assessment there. And I, I really want to call out, they had all the leverage. They had all the leverage. Um, and I think what they proved is in the moment where they have all the leverage, because let's recap here, all the pro sports leagues jumped through a, a million hoops to try to salvage seasons here because of the pandemic. And that's a cost. There's lots of costs in establishing bubbles and you know establishing off-cadence leagues uh, and arenas and coordinating that. And, you know, everything that they did was a lot of sunk cost if the players all walk out and never come back to their respective arenas, right? On top of that, the reason that the owners and the leagues are doing all this is to make money. They're trying to salvage a season they have budgeted for making millions of dollars, right? Uh, TV deals, you name it. And all that just goes right out the window if the players truly do walk and say, we're not coming back this season, we're not – we're not coming back ever. We're establishing our own league, whatever it might be, right? Like they totally could have disrupted that a whole nother level that they missed an opportunity for. Um, the second piece of this is really, um, you know, without having an established goal, whether you sit at the negotiation table and negotiate, because none of the owners can suddenly make social justice reform happen. Even if you have an audience of the president of the United States, they can't suddenly make this large, tan, you know, this large intangible goal happened overnight. It's just not, it was, it was never gonna, feasible. Um, you can take steps towards those, but never did they define those, right? Uh, so it keeps you in this perpetual state of uh, disruption. And disruption is only meant to get, gather, gain attention. It's not meant to be a perpetual state because again, in the process, eventually people say, hey, you're not, you're not doing anything other than disruption. And I don't really care for the disruption. You have my attention. I'm a ready and willing participant, but you've never, you've never given me the option to even help the cause, right? Uh, or help you win this argument. So again, then it almost goes to a place of now if I'm a third party, I've, I've lost things in the process of disruption, right? Whether it be time, whether it be resources, whether it be uh, property damage, it could be anything, right? It could be a whole plethora of things but I'm in this stagnated state where I'm not progressing and I'm not helping and probably getting annoyed at this point. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I think about um, people trying to drive to work or wherever they're going and then there's a protest. Now they're stuck in traffic. And uh, I, I imagine this hypothetical person just outside of their car screaming, what do you want? What can we give you so I can drive to work peacefully? You know, but again, without a clear answer, then everybody remains frustrated. And mm -hmm. you have to think about the, um, the concept of the moral high ground. Um, I think really, if you have a, a protest and you do it the right way, you should have the moral high ground. And people would say, yeah, you have a good point. All right, I'm with you, right? Theoretically, that's everything that would happen. But again, if we have pro protests that are prolonged without a clearly defined goal, then the people who could potentially be allies, then you lose their support too. And again, we, if we end up in this perpetual state of disruption, then we're missing out. So Agreed. there needs to be a clear next step. 
And I think about the, the civil rights movement mm-hmm. um, back in the day, and we're talking 50s and 60s. One of the things that it, it seems as though they had was a clear leadership structure, or at least a clearer leadership structure, which made it easier for you to transition from civil unrest to then actually a negotiation at the negotiation table with an individual with the leadership. And that's a, a problem that I think we're facing here too. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. So think of like a hostage situation, right? There's a reason why five um, SWAT team members don't walk into the building to negotiate because you need one person's voice. Um, you know, and speaking of, social injustice unfortunately the black lives matters movement hasn't had that singular voice and that's that's on purpose um they purposely do what's called a cell structure where every town every city has its own you know kind of like leadership group they can spin up a protest and um an event for disruption but again there's no singular there's no single leader and the reason being is because unfortunately, leaders can be killed. And historically, you know, going back to the civil rights movement, that has been shown time and time again, that any uh, leader of said movement will be uh, a martyr for said cause. So, uh, you know, we saw that with Dr. Martin Luther King, we've seen it with Malcolm X and a host of others along the way. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that's why we're lacking that voice that you just described in the current um, climate. And again, like you're seeing that perpetual state of frustration because even people who want to support don't have a logical next step. Um, Again, tying back to when I think about project management, it's a series of tasks that lead up to milestones that ultimately lead up to deliverables and those deliverables uh, when put together equal the entirety of the project. Um, I think, you know, right now in social justice, it has to be defined on what that looks like. What is, what is a tangible like view of equality? What does that look like? Because right now it's a feeling and it's hard to quantify feelings, unfortunately. Um, Right now it's a, I want to be able to live life without the burden of worrying about, you know, are my kids going to get shot for basically just being kids? Am I going to be harassed for basically just living life? Uh, will I be able to get job opportunities simply based on my resume and not because I have a name like Kwame that might sound ethnic and, you know, uh, a racial bias comes into play. So things of that nature. But again, everything I just described, it can be quantified in scientific studies in hindsight, but real time, how do you measure that? I think that's the problem that plagues this entire movement right now is what's quantifiable and how do you, you know, check that box as you're hitting those milestones and progressing through what, what I would consider a project plan towards ultimately social social justice? Uh, yeah, no, that's really interesting. And so if you were in the position leading the NBA protest mm-hmm. and you could call the shots, what would you have done differently? What would you be doing differently now? Yeah, so let's say, you know, let's say LeBron calls me up on his phone and says, hey, Chuck Scott, Scott Q Consulting, we need your advice. We need your advice because we're going to stage this protest and we're doing it in a matter of hours. We're talking about not playing tonight. I would say, okay, sounds great, LeBron. First things first, what are we protesting? What's going to be that marker 
to get you back on the court because that's going to be the first thing everyone's going to ask. Um, and we want to make sure that that's clear. Social and, and so I'm imagining LeBron says, well, we want social injustice. You know, I'm saying, okay, is this specific to uh, one case? Is this specific to one entity? Or is this just all-encompassing? Probably going to say, Chuck Scott, one all-encompassing. And I'd say, yeah, that's a little too broad for anyone to execute on. Can we find something smaller that we can uh, action and action in the, in the next 30 days? Like something that people can see, feel it's close enough where like, it's not so far off in the distance that they won't do anything. You want, you're, you're doing a call to action. So let's give them something they can action in the next 30 days. Um, and I think then we would go into a dialogue around the multitude of cases that have really caught momentum recently, gotten a lot of the media coverage that everyone's talking about or not talking about. Right. Um, and then really saying in those specific cases, what did we expect to see? What has happened? And then what needs to change to, for it to be uh, justice? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're saying. We want justice. Um, and really identify those gaps between justice and what's taken place. Um, you know, in the negotiation, I think talking about things that are still up for debate, like for instance, people question at this juncture in America's history if racism exists. Some people do. And other people feel very strongly that racism never died, right? Take race out of it. Keep it to justice. Keep it simply to justice. Did due process get followed? If not, let's, let's list out those cases and say, hey, due process was overlooked here. Why? And ask the question why. A lot of times it's, it's crazy in the, in the negotiation, simply by asking the most um, basic of questions of why didn't we do the process, the person is forced to in a way, tell on themselves that they didn't follow process, right? Like there's protocol. Why didn't we follow it? If there's not a good reason, by definition, that is injustice. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> that's a really good point. And it makes a lot of sense. And I, the thing that I liked about that example is that it gives us a lot of clarity. And that's something that was missing too. So yeah, I appreciate that. I think it. I think it's going to be interesting to see how things develop over the next uh, few weeks, few months, and and what comes of these strategies and these uh, these protests. Because I, I was thinking back to the um, the you remember the ninety nine percent protests. We are the ninety nine percent that mm -hmm. happened in like two thousand twelve ish time. Um, for me, when I was looking at that, one of the things that killed the protests was winter. <laughs> you know, it's, it's harder to protest when it's really cold. Yep. And so I see that coming up and I feel as though those protests eventually are going to die down. There's going to be, a, we're going to experience a little bit of war weariness if we think about it in military terms. And then we're going to look back and ask ourselves what was accomplished. And, and the, the answer might not be that great. So I, I appreciate this perspective and, and hopefully people out there uh, can learn from this. And I think, again, it, it, this is applicable to the business world, applicable to the protests and social justice and what's happening now. So I, I appreciate that more strategic lens. But before we wrap up, again, tell, tell the listeners about, uh, about what you do and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so uh, my company is Scott Q, letter Q, Consulting. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a page on LinkedIn. You can also find us on uh, um, our website, https colon forward slash forward slash Scott Q dot consulting. 
again, we manage large-scale projects. Uh, we do executive consulting. Uh, in this case, we would have consulted the MBA had they called us. Call me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we also... Um, we also play in multiple different areas of business, cor large corporations. So uh, it can be everything from accounting, finance, to IT, to HR, uh, and everything in between. Some of our specialties are around retail, um, large business processing off offices or call centers, as most people call them, uh, and a plethora of other uh, industries. So check us out. Please feel free to reach out to me over email. Uh, happy to talk about any type of initiatives that you have coming up and need a uh, strong leadership or consulting on. Chuck, thanks again. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club by listening to a full episode. You're now officially on the negotiate anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.